acknowledge that you are God and that you are King of our lives. We thank you, God, for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you that you give us strength and that your, your grace is multiplied even in our lives. And so this morning, even as we come into your presence, O oh Lord, we declare an open heaven over this house and over the lives of your people. Oh God, that there will be a manifestation, of oh God, of the angels and a manifestation of the grace of God even in our lives. And so even as we get into the time of worship and praise, minister to us, oh Lord, as we gather around your word, minister to us, oh Lord, so we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name. taken from the book of 2nd Kings chapter 13 verse 14 it says now Elisha had been suffering from an illness from which he died and Joash the king of Israel went down to see him and wept over him and he said my father my father the chariots and the horsemen of Israel and Elisha said get a bow and some arrows and he did so. He said, take the bow in your hand. And he said to the king of Israel, and when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Upon, he said, open the east window. And he opened it. He said, shoot. And he shot. And then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. And Elisha declared, You will completely destroy the Arameans at Apek. When I looked at this portion of scripture in the book of 2 Kings, we see that Elisha, the, the, the servant of God, the prophet of God, is now aged, he's older. He's come to the place where he's on his deathbed and the king comes to see him. And now the amazing part about this whole account is that you would think that he is on his deathbed. What does he have to offer the king? Yet the king comes to him and the king says this. He says, my father, my father, the chariots and the, and the horsemen of Israel. Remember, the king is king over all Israel, and yet he acknowledged. He's giving an acknowledgement to Elisha as being greater than him. And he's coming to a man that is on his dying bed, but he's still seeking grace from him. Now, I want you to understand this. The Bible says our earthly, our mortal bodies are constantly withering away. But our spirit man is growing stronger and stronger day by day. Now this is a very powerful statement. That the thing that we need to understand that when our physical bodies are challenged. And we are challenged emotionally and we are overwhelmed by life. We can draw on the spiritual, the spirit man on the inside of us. And we can become stronger and stronger. The king was able to come to Elisha. And Elisha was able to so prophetically announce victories that were still going to come. Although his body 
is plagued and illnesses has befallen him. But the, the reality is, even when the king came, he wept. You know, when you go to see someone and you know they're really sick, that's when you really weep. And, and he says he wept over them, but yet Elisha doesn't say, why you come to me, I'm old, I'm, uh, I'm almost dying, there's nothing more I can do. Elisha says, go, go, go get the bow and the arrows. And, and, and he says, take it in your hand. And he puts his hand on the king's hand. Now I want you to know, he's not doing it from his bed. He has to be standing up to hold where the king is holding. He has to be standing up. And then, and then he says, open the east window and shoot. And he says, this is uh, uh, the arrow of God, the victory, of victory that God has given to you. And he says, in this way, God will completely give you victory over the Aramean. I pray that God will give you the ability to prophetically speak over the lives of people. Even when you are going through stuff, even when your body is uh, plagued and you've got illness, even when you are overwhelmed emotionally and you're going through some challenges in your life, may the spirit of the Lord that is on the inside of you still begin to pour out of you. I want you to understand when Elisha, when, when, when the king comes to Elisha, he still saw him as carrying grace. I pray that over your life, till we transition from this life over to the next, may we still carry the word and the grace of God in our lives, that may we still be powerful, may we still carry a measure of the anointing of God over our lives, even while we are on our deathbed, may God still speak through us in the mighty name of Jesus. You see, the amazing thing about Elisha was, he wasn't saying, Believe me, I've got nothing more to offer. But his last breath, he still began to prophetically declare a victory that will come not in his lifetime, but a victory that will come even after he has gone. Father, I pray today over your people. May we not give up. May we not stop short of the glory and the grace of God. May we continue until the grace of God is flowing out of our lives. Father, I pray may we speak with a greater measure of authority. I pray over your sons and your daughters today as they discern, like King Joash discern, that the man of God carried the word for him. May we not to God lose sight of those that are grace carriers in our lives. May we not lose sight of those that carry the ability to impart and speak into our life. We bless all of the men and women of God that you have called to God to be a blessing to the body of Christ. We bless each and every household in the name of Jesus. And we say today, Lord, speak, Lord, over your servants here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God's blessings over you. Welcome to all of you to sharing with us, whether for those that are with us in church and for those that are joining us online. We pray God's blessings over you as we fellowship today. Amen. God bless. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to praise God this morning. Amen. You're going to put on your dancing shoes. It's all about people. We give him praise. We're going to dance and sing and rejoice because this is a great season ahead of us. Amen. Oh. 
Samuel chapter 24 I was speaking about overcoming pride last week and uh, I want to talk about today that as we overcome pride we can only overcome it by raising an altar before the Lord. Amen? And so I want to emphasize the importance of raising an altar before the Lord and so I want you to just follow with me for those that have not heard the sermon last week I'm just going to recap just a few salient points that will lay a foundation for today. So when we look at 2 Samuel chapter 24, we introduced to David, but this time David has made an instruction and the instruction to Joab and to the other chief captains or commanders in the army of Israel is to go and number or to count or do a census of all those that are part of the, 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 the soldiers in the army of Israel. And so the Bible says when David issued this instruction, the anger of the Lord was against Israel because of what David did. Now it seemed like a very simple instruction, go and number the army. It may be like a very logical uh, uh, question about numbering the army because it's always good to take stock and to ascertain how strong we are, where's our, where's our lack, how we're going to strategize. But the reality was God was addressing something that was a principle in the world. And so when, when David issues the instruction to, to number the army, the, the Lord was angered. And when I looked at it, I said, why there was the Lord angered against it? Now there was an instruction in Exodus chapter 30 verses 12 where God says to Moses go number the people. Now what's the difference? God told uh, to Moses number the people. David says go number the army. What was the difference? The difference was who was issuing the instruction. You see when God made uh, uh, Moses to number the people of Israel, 
he was declaring that he is God and owner over Israel. So when, when David, out of his own initiative, does it, he reveals an element of his heart to the Lord that he has now taken ownership over that which God has entrusted into his care. That which he was shepherd over, he becomes now owner. And so in Exodus chapter 30, verses 12, God says, when, when you take a census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that there will be no plague that will come amongst them. So the, so the instruction was, when I say number them, the people will be numbered. And when they are numbered, they will pay a tax. And that tax will be a ransom so that God will, it will prevent them from being exposed to a plague. And so when we see what David does later in, in 2 Samuel 24, he opens Israel, he exposes Israel to a plague just because of his, his pride. Because firstly, he takes ownership over God's property and God's people. Secondly, I believe inside of David, he was trying to establish himself as a great king over all the kings that existed in that time. You know, normally when people try to count their money, is the, the one reason is because they know they got money. You don't go counting money when you don't have You You know when you don't have But sometimes you go and count, you know children sometimes when they got a piggy bank or, or they save money and they got count. I'm not talking about you as adults, you know. We always don't have money. The children always have money. But when they go and count it, they count it to see how much more they got this time from the last time. Yeah. But the thing is that when, when David goes, there was a part of David that, to say, look at from where I've come. I came from nothing, but look at what I got. When, when Joab comes to him, Joab says, tries to caution the king against counting. And he says, he, he says to the king, he said, now may the Lord your God, in verse 3, add to you a hundred times more than you are, than they are. And may the eyes of the Lord, my Lord, the King, see it. So he was saying, he's saying, David, may the Lord add to you a hundred times more than what you have right now. And he says, not only that, may the Lord cause your, your eyes to see it. See what I blessed you. So the reality was, he was, he was speaking a blessing over him, but yet the king still pre prevailed and said to him, go and count. Joab goes and counts. You know, before anything happens to us, God will always send someone to caution us. Yeah. When we steer out, out, out of the will of God, God always sends a warning and a caution. All of us can point in, the, in the, that same direction, that somewhere or the other in our lives, God has sounded a caution and a warning to us when we went out of the will of God. So when David begins to project his pride by counting Israel, Joab, he, the captain, goes and very, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he's not direct, but very, uh, you know, uh, in a good way, he goes and explains, uh, says the king, may the Lord bless you a hundred times more. May the, may, may the Lord cause your eyes to see it. But the king nevertheless says, go and do it. 
And so he goes and he numbers them. And he takes a census of them. And the Bible says there was over 1.3 million members or soldiers in the army of Israel. And the moment they give the account to David, David's heart became repentant towards the Lord because he realized he sinned against God. But I want you to understand from the day he gave the instruction to the day that he gets the final count, it's almost 10 months. And in 10 months, he could not admit that pride has entered his heart. You see, pride is a very, very subtle element that can come into our lives. You know, sometimes we can be so proud that we're humble. You know? Some people, you know, they say, you know, I'm so humble, you know? It's like almost humble. Humility is something that is seen, not something you have to say. But some people are so proud in their, in their humility. I, you know, I, I understand one thing, that pride doesn't only affect rich people. It, it affects rich and poor. I've seen poor people that are proud. They're sometimes insulted when you give them a handout. And sometimes they're insulted by the kind of handout that you give. You know that? You think that this is impossible up until you've engaged with somebody. I've seen it because it, sometimes pride can become a defense mechanism. Especially in those that do not have. Because we don't want others to know that we do not have. But we want something for nothing. Uh, very complicated. We're very complicated. You know, we, we want what we don't have, but we don't want you to know that I don't have. And I don't want you to feel like you're giving me. <laughs> you know, to uncomplicate it, sometimes you'd rather not do anything. But the reality is, pride is an issue. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. I shared last week that God doesn't like a proud look. But when I looked at this, I saw 10 months. David begins to, after 10 months, say, I repent, I've done wrong before the Lord. But I want you to understand, just because you admit that you've done wrong, doesn't remove the consequence of the sin. You know, some of us have all, all, all of us have some time or the other, and I know, you know, with, 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 with me and my, and my own father, when he used to discipline us, if you did something wrong, you, you know, the best thing with my father was you own up, you save. And you know, with, with, with us as well, uh, and me being a father, I know I prefer someone to come up front and say, hey, I did wrong. I don't want to dig it out of you. Because by the time I dug it out of you, you would have gotten some hiding before then. You know, some fivefold ministry. Yeah. Fivefold ministry. Yeah. But the reality is that he comes in saying, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes children say, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. As if now, because you said you're sorry, it takes away what you did. No, no, no. Just because you said you're sorry is a good acknowledgement, but it doesn't take away what you did. 
you're going to have to pay the price for what you did. So I want you to understand, in life, when we do wrong things, there's a consequence of it. And no amount of salvation is going to remove the consequence. That means if I, if I go down the road and I shoot somebody now, no matter how repentant I am, how I come before the Lord, whatever, there's a consequence of my action that I still have to account to. And so the good part of repentance is dealing with the consequences. So now David's, the challenge with David's consequence was, David made a, 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 a statement in the hearing of only his captain of the army. And yet he's going to get punished publicly. He made a statement in private. Now I want you to understand, look at how God was. And I want to caution you. You may sometimes step out of the plan of God. You may sin privately. But God may give you your hiding publicly. So be careful. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. And God was not the kind, very kind. He didn't punish him in a quiet. God was punishing him publicly. And look at how God punished him. The next day, God sends a prophet to him. He sends a prophet gap to him and he says to him, you've got three choices. He says, you've got three choices. One, three years of famine. Second, three months that I will allow your enemies to have rule over you. Or three days in which a plague will come over you. Huh? Hey, it's like, you know, you know when you were small and you did something wrong and your father says, go and bring the belt. You know your father never had one belt. He had a few belts. Yeah. And he says, go bring it. Oh, they tell you, go, go in the yard there, bring one stick and come. You're going to bring the thing that they're going to use to beat you up. They're not going to, you know, those days there was a spanky spanky, you know, a beating. You know, you got a beating. You know, you, when, you, when you finished it, you, you, you remembered what you did wrong, and you had the marks to say, I paid the price. I do not know, you know, I was still in school in the times when you used to get cuts. Remember? Yes. Uh, so, okay, for some of you, you, you don't know, there was no corporal punishment in your school. <laughs> but in our school, there was corporal punishment. And I remember the times when, when I had to go and get my peace for what I did. But when I got it, I didn't come home and complain. But the pain, it stayed there, the marks. It stayed there for a few days. You know the reality is, God was calling David and saying, okay, go choose your, this is it, I'm giving you three choices. One, family. Two, the enemy is going to look. Three, play. You know what David says? He says, Lord, I'd rather fall on the mercy and, and, uh, of God than to be in the hands of man. So you see, he chose the three days of plague. And he says, God, you, 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 you deal with me. You punish me how you want to. But don't hand me into the hands of my friends. Or into the hands of, of, of men. He knew 
that seven years or three years of famine was going to affect and, and, and the people will turn against him because of the three years of famine. He knew the three months he may, his army may have not recovered if his enemies had control of him. The, 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 the damage would be too great. So he said, maybe the mercy of God. Three days, I'd rather fall on the mercy of God. And the Bible says, in verses 15, it says, So the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from morning until the appointed time. From Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 people died. And when the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, It is enough. Now restrain your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And David spoke to the Lord. And when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Surely I have sinned, I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. David comes to the place. He says, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to allow, Lord, let the plague come. I'm falling on the mercy of God. The plague comes and 70,000 people die because of a one utterance of David. 70,000 people pay with their lives because David could not keep his mouth shut and because David stepped out in disobedience. I want to speak to, to those that are leaders in their families, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers. I want to speak to those that are leaders in our community. I want to speak to those that are leaders even in the body of Christ. Sometimes your utterance can bring a judgment upon the people. And by no fault of theirs, they pay for the words that you say. Be careful. Even in your household, be careful of the things that you do. The doors that you leave open, the doors that you allow the enemy to creep into your household. You say, no, I'm stressed, Pastor. I'm just doing these things just to handle the pressure. You don't know the pressure that I'm going through. Everyone's going through pressure. Don't step out of the will and out of the purposes of God and touch the ungodly things and, and bring it into your house because it's going to affect your household. It's going to affect your family. I want you to get to the place where you stop making excuses for yourself. But you start doing the right things. Because the wrong things is going to begin to cause a, 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 a curse to come over your life. And not only you are going to pay for it, but the others around you are going to pay for it. Your family will pay for it. Imagine how, what it did to David to see 70,000 people die. Because of what he did. Imagine. I don't know. I, I believe the curse of our generation is pride. We are a generation that is very proud. You, you, you know in this whole pandemic, no country in the world ever called for a national day of prayer. And say we call upon the hand of the Lord. Lord forgive us. Lord heal us. Lord deliver us from this. 
We were trying to find solutions in ourselves for this. And the more we try to find solutions, the longer it's going to take. You'll eventually come out of something. You, 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 this is something that is true even in your own home and family. When we step out of the will of the Lord and we don't come in repentance before the Lord, we can sometimes eventually find a solution, but we'll take the long way to come back to that place where we'll be delivered from. May the Lord deliver us from that. May the Lord deliver us from the spirit of pride. There's nothing we deserve. There's nothing we feel that we deserve. May it be the hand of the Lord that works on our behalf. So we see David, he, he, he's come, he's seen this. You know, the amazing thing was, David saw the angel of death move over the land. The Bible says, and David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel striking the people. You know, what is the worst thing? Seeing people suffer because of the mistakes I made. I, I, I tell you, that may hurt me more than anything else. As a person. I pray that we'll become a nation and a people and a church that is moved by the things that moves God's heart. And not just become immune because things have been done in a certain way. But we'll come to that place where we're passionate. And the Bible says, and the angel of the Lord come, uh, the angel of death comes to the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite, which was in Jerusalem. And the Bible says when the, when, when, when the angel stretched his hand out over Jerusalem to destroy it. So we understand that the, the threshing floor of Aruna was in Jerusalem. When he was about to destroy it, the Lord says enough. And the Lord restrained it. That means there are some things that only the Lord can restrain. There are some things that the Lord can stop. If we call upon him, he's able to stop it. He's able. The, the, the plague that was coming, that was devastating the land, in that time, you know, the, the modern day word for plague is pandemic. Yeah. The, the, the reality, the, the pandemic that is hitting the world today, God can stay. Yes. Amen. If the church, we're not waiting for our country. We're not waiting for the nations of the world. If the church, the body of Christ, I'm not talking about just borders house. I'm talking about every house of, every house of God, every body, the members of the body of Christ globally cries unto the Lord on behalf of our nation. There were times when there were groups of people that cried out on behalf of the nation and God moved. There was even the moment when Abraham called on behalf of the uh, uh, of Lot and, and, and the people of Sodom and he says if there was 50, if there was 30, if there was 10, Lord would you stop this. This can happen. And the Bible says, and the hand of the Lord stayed. And look at what David comes and says. He says, I have sinned. I have done wickedly. And now he's realizing these people are sheep. That means there were people that were following him. There's sometimes people pay the price for the mistakes that we make. He says, let your hand be upon me and my household, my family. It's a little too late. It's a little too late to, to, 
realize he had 10 months yeah. where he could have stopped the counting yeah. it's now a little too late to count the numbers God allowed him to count the numbers now not of the soldiers that were living but of the people that were dead yeah. 70,000 he says let this be measured upon me and the next day the Lord sends a prophet again now I, I always know this you know in church I always say to people when I'm coming to visit you and, and whenever I say to people I would like to come and visit and see you the people firstly ask pastor what's wrong I don't know, know whether they're reading the Bible and they're saying every time the prophet showed up. You know when Samuel showed up in the city where Jesse was, they said, is there anything wrong? Is there anything wrong? <laughs> you know? So it seemed like, so, so he comes here and, 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 uh, and God says to him, now the instruction of the Lord is go and erect an altar on the threshing floor of a woman. The place where the hand of the Lord still the plague to lay and to build an altar. And so, 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 so David comes to, to, to the threshing floor of Aruna. He meets Aruna and the king, uh, and Aruna is amazed to see the king. He falls on his face. He's paying homage to him. And he asks him, why have you come to my servant? He says, and David says, to buy the threshing floor from you. To build an altar before the Lord. Verses 21. To buy a threshing floor from you. To, to build an altar before the Lord. That the plague may be stopped. Look at it. He didn't come to say I want came here to build an altar. He said no no no. I came to buy the ground. On which I'm going to build the altar. You can't just go and build the altar. On a borrowed ground. And, 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 he, and he says to him, and, and, and Aruna turns around to him and he says to him, uh, no, 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 you don't have to bite. He says in verse 22, now Aruna said to David, let my lord the king take and offer whatever seems good to him. Look, here are the oxen for the burnt sacrifice. Here are the threshing elements and the yokes for the, of, of oxen for wood. All these, the uh, O king, Aruna has given to the king and Aruna said to the king may the Lord your God accept you <laughs> what was going to break the plague God accepting you may the Lord see our hearts and still the pandemic may the Lord see us see our sacrifice and still the pandemic But then the king said to Aruna, No, but surely I will buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Now I want you to understand, some of us will pray like this. When Aruna came to the king and says, hey, there's the oxen, there's the property, there's the wood. If we were like, if we were like, like David in that time, we, we could have said, hey, look at how the Lord has provided. The Lord has seen my heart, how good a person I am and what a good motive I have. And the Lord has provided for himself a sacrifice. You know, 
will get very spiritual. Because now, not costing are nothing. You know, you, you know, we, 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 you know, it's easy to give away something that's not yours. You know, okay. It's easy for you to give away something that mommy and daddy bought. But go and work for it, can? Now, now that you earn it, you won't look after it like how you looked after it when someone else bought it. Because you bought it, you look after it differently. Is it? That's what happens. So we see here, David came and said, no, 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 I can't give to the Lord something that is somebody else's sacrifice. If you want a breakthrough for yourself, it must be a sacrifice that comes from you. You know what he says? He says, I will not bring to the Lord anything that does not cost me something. Hey, your sacrifice must cost you something. That means many of us tithe and give offerings after we have spent, we have done everything else, then we bring a tithe of the leftovers. And we give it to the Lord. No, 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 your tithe is off the top. It's the first thing. Before you start, you say, but pastor, I've got accounts, I've got this thing. No, no, those are things you brought upon yourself. That's not things that you, God has brought upon you. You go and take care of those things first. Because you, that's why your tithe, that's why the challenge for your tithe. Because your tithe costs you something. That means you can't bring a sacrifice. It's easy for me to bring a sacrifice that somebody else has paid for. Bring a sacrifice that is yours. That means not, it means that you got no more money for burgers this month. And you got no money, more money for tackies. And you got no more money for basics. But, you, but you're saying, God, I'm going to honor you first. That's the blessing on the tithe. God was saying to him, David in his response, he realized that I'm going to break the curse. You see, for him, it was not just about the, the offering. He was breaking the curse that was plaguing. 70,000 people died because of a mistake he made. He's not going to make any more mistakes. I do not know how many mistakes it's going to take you before you learn how to do what God has told you to do. Do what God has expected you to do. How many mistakes are you going to take before you're going to say, I'm going to honor God first. I'm going to raise an altar. You want to break the curse over your life. You want to break the plague. You want to break the effects of anything over your life that is negatively impacting you. You know, sometimes you know, some of us are skilled. We are educated but still can't find jobs. And yet somebody that is not skilled and not educated is finding a job. And you're wondering, what's the difference? What did I do wrong? No, no, the reality is, look at your altar. Do you have an altar before the Lord? And you can't have an empty altar. There must be a sacrifice on the altar. And David says, I'm not going to offer anything to God that doesn't cost me something. Make a pledge. Make a purpose in your heart. When you start, for some of you that are looking for jobs, when you get your job, this is how I'm going to honor God. This is how, what I'm going to do. Some of you that have jobs, how you protect your jobs. The Bible says when you bring your time before the Lord, He says He will rebuke the devourer. He will rebuke the... You put the mandate on God to rebuke the devourer on your behalf. But the reality is we sometimes want to bring God our leftovers. 
After we've done everything, we went, we ate out, we did everything else. Whatever's left, we're going to bring to God. Maybe we feel guilty sometimes when we're eating out and we're not honoring God. Serious. Yeah. Because you are, you are destroying your protection over your life. Yeah. You're destroying your protection over your life. God, He speaks to him, He buys it. And then he raises an altar before the Lord. How do we still? He builds an altar. He offers the burnt offerings. And upon that, God begins to honor him. I want you to understand. The burnt offerings were to atone for sin. The peace offerings was to restore fellowship with God. He, was, he, he did this. And finally we see and the heart of the Lord turns towards David and the Bible says and God withdrew the plague because he heard the prayers you want to know why our prayers are not being heard we we'll check our altar check the price that we pay for that amen you know later on the threshing floor of Aruna becomes the place where the which will become the foundations for where the temple is built Historians tell us that later on when Jesus is crucified on the cross, the cross stood in the same place where the threshing floor of Aruna was. David was offering a sacrifice not only for that moment, but for generations to come. I want you to know today, what's the cost of food? that you are prepared to pay for the altar because it's going to stand as a memorial for many seasons in your life. Many seasons of plague. Can we bow our heads together? We bless you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. Father, I bring your people before you. May you still the effects of the enemy May you still the voice of the enemy. May you still the plague because of our obedience. May you look at the altar that we're building. May you look at the sacrifice. We lay our bodies a living sacrifice unto you, which is our good, acceptable, reasonable act of service. Lord, we honor you. We bless you. We glorify you. We say, O oh God, be thou glorified in our midst and in our lives. So I pray over your people today that we will be overcomers through the altars that we raise before the Lord. May there be a restoration of altars. May there be fresh building blocks that will cause a breaking in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I wish for two.